Well, good evening, everybody in Alberta, Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, July 21st, 2023, and I'm hoping you're enjoying your amazing summer because I know it's been kind of on and off in Alberta, but uh, oh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to when actually summer starts. My name is Carrie Lambert, and I welcome you to our online webinar evening of Solutions for a New Alberta, brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. Our, our purpose is to educate, inspire, and unite all Albertans, businesses, and organizations to protect their prosperity, individual freedoms, rights, and sovereignty by empowering the Alberta government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. Of course, we wouldn't be able to do this without your help. If this is your first time watching, welcome, and I hope you find this information engaging. And, and if you want to find out more, you can always go to albertaprosperityproject.com and uh, we do sell memberships there too. Our, our membership is driven with a goal of a million plus members to help steer the political process. APP memberships are one year for $20, two years for 30, three years for 40, or you can even make a, a donation. Uh, we also have APP merchandise. I'm actually sporting one of our APP shirts right there. And I was gonna share the, uh, the link to that through this APP store. And you can also go there and it is albertaprosperitystore.com. And as well, we're also looking for people to register for the petition to establish Alberta's independence. And uh, that page is actually at bit.ly slash abvotes, abvote, yes. And I'll show you that page too. And then you can register for the, uh, basically we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, I'm sure tonight but how to register for a referendum because we basically we need 600,000 uh, signatures done within, I believe it's 90, day, 90 days. And right now we're at about uh, 12,500, but it is summer and everybody's busy doing, doing stuff. So hopefully we can get that uh, number up a little bit more. I will close that off right now. And um, just, just so you know that tonight's webinar is entitled Sovereignty, how we lost it and how we can get it back. And it's with APP's very own CEO, Chris Scott from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta. And this is a live webinar. So we encourage you to ask questions and make comments throughout the presentation. Just put three question marks before your question. So it'll be flagged and we can quickly view the comments. And with that, I will bring Mr. Scott on right now. And Mr. Scott is muted as well as no camera. Does Not quite that? sure what's going on with my camera today. My uh, my. That's okay. All is... we need to do is, is hear you anyways. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, well, I'll work on my camera. So what's happening is my uh, my son is back with me. Yes. And he's been using my computer room mm. um, for his gaming. So yes. So I came in and I found <laughs> a mess of wires some plugged in, some not, and I've done my best to try and get it going again, but apparently it didn't work. So uh, I will talk and just okay. I'll work on my camera whilst I'm talking. And actually, Absolutely. maybe we'll see if the viewership is higher without people having to look at me. And then, uh, um, you know, maybe we'll just adjust it going forward. That so, is. Good afternoon, Carrie. Good afternoon. Good evening, actually. How are you doing? Uh, You're still in Alberta, aren't you? I, I am in Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> good. So if people don't know who uh, Chris Scott is from the Bus Stop Cafe in Merrill Bar, do you want to maybe just do a quick uh, hour and a half presentation on who you are? 
<laughs> oh yeah, sure. I'll make it. I'll make it very quick. I'll do it in actually an hour and thirty-five minutes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my name is Christopher Scott. I own and operate the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta, which is the best restaurant in Alberta by far, by leaps and bounds. Not to say that others aren't good, just mine's better. <laughs> and uh, I'm also the interim CEO of the Alberta Prosperity Project. And the 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 reason it's a it's a very interesting and lengthy story as to how I ended up in this role. But basically, uh, the government decided they were going to mess with an Irishman, and I wasn't about to allow them to mess with me. And so I stood up against it, and uh, the, the rest is kind of history, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, here I am. Not only are you Irish, but you're also Russian. Yeah, I don't talk about that too much these days. <laughs> That's okay. You know, that just, I had a scrapper. Okay. We won't get into that. So we we uh, we actually had a bit of a conversation this afternoon and said, you know what, yes, we definitely need to do a webinar, and we have to we definitely have to try and do these uh, Wednesdays, and uh, and that's kind of what we were hoping to to continue on throughout the summer. We do have other uh, guests lined up and other topics, but it just seemed to be last week was just really really busy with uh, well here in Calgary it was with the. Uh, the stampede and i know you had a visitor in from uh from the netherlands jasper jasper smith who uh, who also spoke at the app event in um in panoka uh the week before and uh and really to talk just a little bit about what was happening in the netherlands and uh, it's really funny talking like you're not even on the screen but here i am talking to your giant circular face <laughs> I guess. You um, know, it's, it's really weird. I keep plugging in the camera and it's just still it's not, not even like there's not I'll even tell, a light. Don't restart the computer. Otherwise we'll lose you forever. And that won't, uh, that won't be a good thing. Um, so yeah, we had uh, Jasper and you, you were, you were uh, hosting him and, uh, and getting him out there and, and talking to people, which is great about uh, what's happening in the Netherlands. And, uh, and again, we've got another great um, panel lined up next week. I won't get too much into it, but it's it's going to be a, a topic that everyone will be definitely interested in, and it's ba basically about the COVID mandates and uh, and how the government handled them, and what we can learn going forward. So it's that'll be a good one to actually watch next week. But for now, let's talk about the topic on hand, and uh, so we're talking about sovereignty and how we lost it. Oh, a GoPro! How we lost it, and uh, and how do we get back? Well. Some people would say we never lost it. Oh, look at there. There's Chris. Ah, oh, it's me. Some people will say we never lost it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I think it's uh, it's it's probably by those people that weren't necessarily affected or maybe just complied right away and said that, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do what the government tells me and I'll be a good uh, good doobie going forward and um, and everybody has to follow suit with that. And well, you know what, Carrie? It is much easier just to do what you're told. Well, it, that it is. And apply. That's right. Yeah. But it's not it, necessarily always the right thing to do. I agree. I agree. So, what would you like to talk about with that? Uh, such a, a, a great topic. Because the other thing I wanted to bring up is that you had posted something on Facebook the other day. And I'm just going to briefly paraphrase it if I can. Let's see. What did you say? Uh, I'm probably not going to be able to find it now, but basically you had the answers to everything. <laughs> no, I don't have the answers to anything. <laughs> you had answers. 
Um, and yeah, why don't we just, yeah. why don't I, we just... I actually, you're, you're right. I, I do have some answers and it was, a it was quite a while ago that I made that post. I've been toying with the idea of talking about this, yeah. um, for quite some time. And I've been thinking, how do I, how do I tie this knowledge, this, uh, what I want to talk about into a solution that we can, that we can work towards. Right. Because I'm, I'm, Everybody has problems they want to talk about. Oh, look, my camera stopped again. Oh, yeah. Oh, can we still hear you? Oh, <laughs> obviously some technical glitches. I'm going to try and add him back to the stream. Yeah, that's not good. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I actually removed myself from the stream because my camera wasn't working. Okay. And I wanted to try and reset it. Anyway. Well, you still can. I can, uh, I can basically uh, paraphrase your uh your statement that you said the other day and um so basically chris chris started out by saying a man just won ms universe in holland so this was around uh, uh around the 10th or the 12th of july mark root and his cabinet resigned over all things immigration policy Members of the European Parliament have formed a coalition to fight against globalist agenda. The UCP government here in Alberta has announced that they will not release the interim report from their uh, inquiry into how the pandemic was handled, which is very topical. Excess deaths this year have already exceeded that of 2020. There seems to be a temporal correlation between job cam jab campaigns and excess death, but nobody's talking about it. Four yeah, weird, right? Yeah. Four men remain in jail for standing up for their rights and the rights of those around them. Over 500 days in jail with no uh, trial and no bail. And I believe you can go to uh, Save the Coots Boys. I'm going to see if I can find that quickly here because that is topical. And I can add that. There you go. So this is on uh, Save thecootsboys.com and uh, they are uh, taking donations to help pay for their uh, um, their lawyer fees etc and that's done up by th through Granny Mackay and they are selling shirts etc and they're they're back in um, in court uh, next week uh, you mean back in court haven't they already? Isn't everything done? They're still. In oh jail? no! It is. They're back in uh, July twenty fifth. July. 25th. Well, how can that be? How can I they be in jail that long with no uh, trial? And especially when it said the trial was going to take place in June of uh, twenty twenty three. And as far as I know, according to my watch, uh, it's July. I so, uh, so yes. Uh, if you want to know more, because there is always more to know, please go to savethecootsboys.com. And I'm going to continue on with this little ramble here. Uh, another man is facing 10 years in jail for speaking a sermon and for telling others to be peaceful. And if you don't know who that is, that is uh, Pastor Arthur Pulowski. And I know he has uh, a website, but uh, you can also go on his Facebook page. Uh, and it's also under Street Church. I believe it's .ca, but I could be wrong. It's something like that. So, Carrie, just so you know, I'm emailing yes. myself a link so that I can log myself in as a guest with my phone so oh then, yes well i could have done that. you'll I be could. able to see me possibly i could have done that as well too but that's okay because i'm too busy reading um so after all that there are many more things that are disturbing these days but perhaps the worst of this 
any of uh, of this is that people are accepting these things as normal. And that is very true. These things are not normal. And watching Ms. Anderson speak about her fight, our fight with uh, globalist billionaires is somewhat motivating. It seemed like a good time to let you all know exactly why our governments did what they did. Ever wonder why Kenny flip-flopped the way he did? Why does every politician do that once they peek behind the curtain? And what is it that would compel hundreds, thousands of government folks to go along with this? What was it that made them think that they could stop anywhere? Chris has the answer. Stay tuned. That's that's what it says in your post. Interesting. <laughs> Do you remember doing that? I don't really remember. I no. may have been drinking. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, you know what? All, all of those things are, are hot topics that we've definitely been talking about uh, um, over the... Uh, uh, the bonfires that we haven't been able to have. Um, and it's it's those those things that, um, I guess, set us apart from just talking about the latest Netflix. And I don't even know what the latest Netflix is. Although I have watched Black Mirror. If you haven't watched Black Mirror, go watch Black Mirror. Oh, there's Chris. Uh-oh. 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 Well, he's got that double echo thing going. Yeah, on. rookie mistake. There you go. Are you good there? I'm going to give this a shot. So ah, I, I, think do, I think it'll work. Then you'll have Chris and Christopher. You're going to remove this one. There's two of me. There you are. No, there's only one of you. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, some, that's the best I can do, unfortunately. Cases, it's, it's better to have two Chris's in some cases, just one. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the, the interesting thing is I can't actually turn the volume all the way down on my phone, which is quite frustrating. Oh. Well, that's okay. So we're now uh, 15 minutes into this, and we haven't really accomplished anything. So, so but, but, uh, I know the, the people. The people that are watching are are, are more like watching the people watching uh, uh, getting getting hit by a train. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, sorry about the technical difficulties, and you're missing the top of my head with my receding hairline. But it's the best I could do. There you go. Apparently, my webcam is broken. So. Yeah, yes. Carrie, let's talk about all of those things uh, that I mentioned before. And what do you want to start off with? Um, well, you want to just go in order? I mean, it, the, the thing that was topical, I guess, for the last little bit was that uh, we had Jasper here, uh, Jasper Smith from uh, the Netherlands. And, of course, the top two topics that you said just happened to be uh, a man won Ms. Universe in Holland. And Mark Root, who's the president uh, there, and his cabinet resigned over all things immigration policy. You want to maybe... Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> when, when Whenever you talk about something like a man winning a women's competition, you open yourself up to the woke left mob. And actually, even some woke right mob. Now, the reason I brought that up is because I am of the opinion that the reason why this whole uh, two plus LGBTQS, yes, I, I don't know. I don't know what it all is. The reason why this is so front and center is because there's groups trying to weaponize this for political purposes. Yeah. It's not because they care about trans people or gay people or bi people or whatever the heck those people are. They never cared before. They don't care now. Yeah. Um, they're, they're doing this because they're trying to use it as a weapon to achieve their political goals. and. The unfortunate part is, you know, we, we, we've always considered that women and girls are, they're, they're special, right? They're to be, uh, 
we're supposed to protect them. That's kind of our job as men. And that's a very masculine idea, which is also under attack. Men have been under attack. attack. Masculinity has been under attack. Testosterone has been described as a toxin. Um, and, and in this day and age, like, I, I can't imagine being a young man, like my boy's age and growing up in an era when being masculine or being a man is a detriment when it's a, you know, you have to be ashamed of that. Like as Tucker Carlson says, boys are being made to be ashamed of being, of, of becoming men. And it's not right. But now what we're seeing is that an attack on women and femininity by feminists, like our very own prime minister, Justin Trudeau, if women don't have the opportunity to compete against biological women in areas where they can excel in their field and and achieve goals and and win prizes Um, if we're going to allow biological males that are built different no matter what people believe to take that away from them what are we doing why are we allowing women and femininity to be cancelled when the whole idea of feminism and and that was to protect what it means to be a woman or a woman they're, they're literally being canceled i mean people are screaming at people for saying that men can't menstruate like pardon me if you're a man and you're menstruating you need to go see a doctor because there's something wrong but in saying that that's a truth in saying that truth i've now opened myself up to ridicule from the woke mob they're going to attack me and say that I hate trans people and I want them dead, blah, blah, blah. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. As a matter of fact, they're probably going to crop that and cut that portion out and, and play that. I don't believe that at all. I believe everybody should be treated equally under the law. I believe that nobody should be discriminated against. I believe that we should all have equal opportunity in this yeah. country and in this province. And we don't have that right now because groups like men and women, the two genders are under attack and it's not right. So when I see a biological man winning a women's competition, I wonder what that feels like for those women. Are they proud to have been uh, bested by a man who now uh, identifies as a woman? Are they proud that the things that make them women are no longer important and they're so watered down uh, that you can't even you can't even talk about it anymore without being ridiculed? Mm-hmm. Like these things... 20 years ago, these things would have been, people would have been like, had mental health checks because of this, these types of things, Yeah, you know? And yet our politicians are kind of just going along with it. They're going along to get along, obviously, because they don't want to face the woke mob because they're very loud and angry and annoying. And here we are. Mm-hmm. So that's just one of the strange things I witnessed. Um, Mark Rutte and his cabinet resigning, I thought that was very strange because this is the third time. Did you know that, Kerry? I did know that they uh, that they've they've swapped governments uh, a few times. Do you know this what is they... the third time? And Jasper why explained they... to me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just going to ask why did they do it the last couple of times? So the last time it was over uh, some severe government overreach. What happened was the government started auditing families Mm -hmm. and there was some tax credits or something that they demanded people pay back and what happened was people were like well how the heck am i supposed to pay back this forty thousand euro tax bill i can't do it 
and it was it, it was um the vast majority was honest mistakes that people made or mistakes yeah. the government made in in uh, auditing them so what happened was the government in in holland they have a policy where if you can't financially support your family they take your family from you if you can't provide for your children if you tell the government i can't pay this bill i don't have the money they start looking at you and they decide oh if you don't have money how are you going to take care of your children your children need to become a ward of the state in order to be taken care of so they take your kids and they put them in foster homes well that government uh, the mark Rutte government at the time lost children to this day there are thousands of children that were taken as wards of the state in holland and they don't know where they are wow how did i know now, how did how does anybody because know? they're the government and they're stupid the government is good at doing government things regulating uh, and administering and those types of things. You do not want them charged with making sure that we know where our children are because they can't, they lose billions of dollars during pandemics. Uh, and then they say, oops, we don't know where it went. Sorry, folks. And we, and we think it's a good idea to hand over our sovereign jurisdiction as parents yeah. to the government. You see how these things all tie in? So, this all came out that the government had lost all these children. Um, families were completely destroyed. Children ended up in child trafficking rings, which kind of goes along with the buzz of the day, the, the sound of freedom, which I'm going to go see tomorrow night. Yeah. And it, the, the Holland was in an uproar. So bad that the government had to step down. They resigned and people cheered. But the interesting thing with that is by stepping down and taking on positions as stewards of the government not the government itself because somebody has to run the government they actually got more power than if they had been the government because they had already resigned they couldn't be toppled they couldn't be taken down so they just made these policies right at COVID time right when it was time to lock down and strip away rights and these things the government was allowed to do it uncontested so now, as I watch the, the Dutch government resign again, I wonder what that's going to look like in the future. I wonder if Mark Rutte, who has said that he's not going to be in politics, is going to, you know, do Holland this huge favor and say, oh, you know, because somebody else isn't going to or can't do it, then I'm just going to do it. I'll come back, whatever. And, you know, right now they have these powers that they wouldn't have if they were the regular government. So... I don't know what's going to happen, but looking back over what has happened, it leads me to believe that everything happens for a reason. And when these politicians do these things, it's calculated. Um, they know what the polls say. They know what the people, how the people are going to respond, and they're doing it to their benefit. So I'm very interested to see how uh, the Dutch government resigning turns into a benefit for, for the government. But who knows? I could be wrong. So they, so he resigned as opposed to being pushed out. Is that uh, a fair? That's correct. So the the Rutte government has been one of the things I learned in Holland was that immigration is completely bonkers in in Holland. Yeah. It is uncontrolled and unrelenting. Um, the people are. I, I can't remember what the numbers were. But I, I posted it on the Whistlestop page there at one point. But what's happening is the floodgates have been open and the government says, no, bring everybody in. We have to bring everybody in. And this is a WEF initiative in that they don't want uh, uh, one of the things that's unsustainable, according to the United Nations, is culture and ethnicity. 
we can't have different cultures and we can't have different ethnicities. So, you know, if you want to get rid of that, you just flood the world with everybody and then nobody is anybody and there's no culture, no identities, which is what, what they want. Cause then we can get along. Right. Well, it wasn't a problem for the right to government before, but all of the sudden they're saying, no, we have to do something about immigration. So now their talking point is unchecked immigration. We have to do something. Well, the Christian Democrat, uh, Mm. I, I want to say Christian, De Christian Democratic Party, something like that, um, who was part of the coalition government, because there's so many parties, they have to work together. Otherwise, they can't get anything done because there's too much division. So they said, no, we're not going to support you on this idea of uh, slowing down immigration because we believe everybody should come in here. Now, the government doesn't have enough support and enough votes to pass any legislation in Parliament. So they have to resign. It's just like what happened in British Columbia. Uh, the Liberal government in British Columbia a few years back, they won by a very, very thin majority, uh, not even a majority, it was a minority government, very razor thin margin. And uh, the Green Party with their two seats, yeah. one of which was Elizabeth uh, Drunken May, ended up being the ones that were calling the shots in the government yeah. because the Liberal government said, no, we're not doing that. They lost the confidence of the gov uh, of the House and the NDP became the governing party in British Columbia. So when things like this happen, when a government that, that requires coalition support to function loses that coalition, they also lose government because they no longer have majority. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that they started talking about this now when before people were screaming about this and they were just telling him, oh, you're racist. Oh, if you don't believe in immigration, you're racist. Well, no, I'm sorry. I believe in immigration and allowing people to come to our country, but throwing the floodgates wide open, stressing uh, an already stressed housing market, already stressed healthcare, already stressed uh, social services, and pretending that, you know, the budget will balance itself is irresponsible for not only us in our country and our province, but also to the people that we're welcoming to our country. Because what are we welcoming them to? We're going to be welcoming, welcoming, welcoming them to a place where they can't get the services or the the things that they need, which what they came here for. Yeah, yeah. does that does that make sense? Yeah, I know. Um, this week, if it's not already happened, it's it's supposed to be happening this week. Where uh, uh, Justin Trudeau is supposed to be meeting with the Toronto Mayor uh, Olivia Chow, and and discussing immigration and talking about the housing market and basically the the growing number of homeless there and uh, and obviously that's a that's a big topic is in every city seems to be i know even uh, even when i was running as uh, the for the mla in chestermere and strathmore in may um and i was talking to the constituents there it was amazing how many people were or homeless i guess were being moved from calgary out to chestermere and strathmore mostly to strathmore because then yeah. it looked like Calgary didn't have the problem anymore, right? Yeah, that's a that, that's happening all over the country. Absolutely, and and my my daughter, my older daughter, is in the, the U.S. and uh, so I've been watching a little bit more of the the U.S. politics, and especially in terms of uh, housing and the tent cities and 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 all that. And it is it's going it's going crazy down there, leaps and bounds, and it is. And it's, it's the question of immigration and uh, is it uh, an issue coming in from uh, uh, from Mexico border or is it just uh, an overall um, uh, anybody coming in from anywhere? And uh, and obviously we don't have 
a Mexican border, so we don't have to deal with that. But we do have an amazing or, or an outstanding number of immigrants coming in. And we're running into this situation now where just driving downtown Calgary, there are tent cities starting, or at least tent towns, tent villages, tent hamlets, starting underneath the bridges um, in downtown Calgary. Yeah, and that's that's everywhere we go. I can I I'm just gonna answer this question quick so Shirley doesn't think that I'm ignoring it. So the question is what proof do you have that these children have gone into trafficking rings? Did Jasper not say that many have taken over names of foster parents and expects that is where most are? You're absolutely correct. And what I'm saying is I'm not saying that all of these children are in trafficking rings. What I'm saying is that there's a concern that a lot of these children that are missing have ended up in those trafficking rings. Yeah. And I say that because I spoke to a number of people in Holland. Um, who who were talking about this very issue, and that was the sentiment they had, was that these things are real, they are happening, and of course, the people, the evil people that want to do these things to children to make money, um, they're going to exploit whatever method they can, and that that it's a it's a concern over there. Certainly not uh, saying that all of those children are the majority, like Shirley pointed out, um, are missing to the families because they've taken on the last name of the foster families speaking of jasper look what i just found uh is it jasper no <laughs> what is it? that's one of the bullets that we shot into the barrels oh, serious? seriously yeah yeah we picked up a couple of them. anyway yeah so thank you for pointing that out shirley i didn't i sir, i don't want to make people think that that i was saying that all those children ended up there just that there was a concern that that's happening so uh, should we move on to another question well, or another was, part of that? Well, I mean, it, you know, we, we were basically talking about the Netherlands and, and I guess after each one of these things, maybe we should at least look in. And I mean, the topic should be about sovereignty, uh, you know, how we, how, how we had it and how we lost it. And in these sure. sorts of cases, how would being our own sovereign nation or or however you want to and uh, talk about it help mitigate or or uh, squish a lot of this stuff like you know excellent question carrie and i'm so glad you asked <laughs> Check time's up gotta go yeah <laughs> just kidding okay so how we lost our sovereignty and how we get it back yeah. i am of the opinion that we lost our sovereignty because we're lazy we lost our sovereignty. We gave it up willingly in the name of comfort and convenience. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the dangers of democracy. People always talk about the benefits of democracy and they forget about the dangers. And the danger is, I just, and I actually spoke with a friend of mine today and I, we discussed this. The danger is that democracy creates prosperity because it's, because it's based on freedom, based on free choice. And when you have freedom, you have prosperity. That's how it works. That's the way it's worked across the world all throughout history. When you're when people are free to excel, when they're free to achieve things, they work to do it because there's a risk or there's a reward for accepting that risk. Now, as democracy increases the prosperity of the society in which it's being implemented, people get comfortable, they get complacent, they get lazy, their bellies are full. They don't have to worry about storing up a bunch of food for winter because they can just go to the grocery store because the prosperity that's been created through the freedom that democracy allows gives them that opportunity That's right. and we get lazy and we go to work and we come home and we turn on the TV and we watch friends or whatever, and we don't care about politics. 
And even worse than that, when our politicians do things like uh, they say, oh, hey, you know, uh, you know, maybe we should allow these environmental public health officers to have all of the power and authority over everybody's property, personal or private in the province, in case somebody gets sick. Wouldn't that make you feel safer if we had a group that could do that? We say, oh, yeah, you know, we don't want to worry about it. We'll just, yeah, go ahead. Take take away our, you know, take away our property rights in that case, because that will make us feel better. Or how about, um, you know, how about we just have everybody register their guns, you know, for their own safety? Uh, yeah, w- that would be great. Okay, so everybody just bring your uh, guns in and let's register them. Tell the government who has guns and who doesn't. That would be great. Okay, and we say, yeah, sure, it's our property. The government has no business over it. But let's give up our sovereignty over our own property in the name of safety. Yeah. Or how about the government comes along and they say, you know, let's uh, get rid of paper cash. Let's get rid of fiat currency and just use a digital currency because it'll be so much more convenient. You won't lose money in your couch anymore. Uh, Nobody can rob you. Your employees can't steal from you. It's going to be so convenient and it's going to, it's going to make you more comfortable. And we say, Oh yeah, you know what? We're really enjoying this comfortable life that democracy's afforded us and it's a democracy. So what could go wrong? Sure. Let's have a digital currency that the government can control and turn off at their leisure in the name of convenience. We give up our rights and we give up our sovereignty in order to feel safe or comfortable. Now, we've done that with a number of things in this country, uh, whether it's with uh, you know gun laws or our, our municipalities, for instance. Uh, we have municipalities that if you don't pay your property taxes, they just come and they take your property from you. It's not their property to take. They're, they're making you pay for the privilege of owning property and then if you say, no, I'm not paying you for the privilege of owning my property, it's mine. If you if you try and exercise your sovereign right to personal property, they just take it from you. We allowed that to happen. And it was no different with the COVID restrictions. Can I just stop you for a second there? You know, you're, you basically said we let it happen. And, and the problem with that kind of a statement is we didn't just let it happen. We gave the power to our elected officials who went ahead and did that stuff. And we were complacent and just didn't pay attention to what was going on in government. That was really what happened. If we knew what was happening at the time, I think there would have been at least a more, a a louder group than there there was at the time. Because as far as I know, there was. And in some cases, we beg for it. Yeah. I mean, the people in Edmonton, some people in Edmonton, are begging for 15-minute cities with zones and districts. They're begging for it. it sounds, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. That way I don't have and, to have a car. I, I, I'm all, all my stuff is brought to me. I, I can basically just walk outside for 15 minutes and uh, go go and get my groceries and walk back home and get really, really fat. Yep. So before we continue, you know, we toss around this word sovereignty all the time. Yeah. And I just want to explain to people what that actually means, at least what it means for me. Mm-hmm. So sovereignty to me means that we chart our own course in this life. As long as we're not harming those around us, we do what we want for the most part. I mean, of course, we set boundaries within a society so we can peacefully coexist together. But for the most part, we can travel where we want. We can eat where we want. We can sleep with who we want. We can uh, work where we want. Those types of things live where we want. And those aren't those aren't rights that anybody gives us. 
that just existing as a human being, our God-given rights give us sovereign jurisdiction over how we live our life, period. All of the laws and the charter and the constitution and that um, that talk about these things, they're not giving it to us. They're acknowledging that we already have it. That's what sovereignty means to me. And, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I've got the definition correct. Now, in some cases, we give that up for convenience and comfort. And that happened. That happened unknowingly within our health system. So I'm going to explain to people, in my humble opinion, and this is uh, the result of a couple, almost three years of talking to everybody and anybody and some people that you wouldn't even believe that I've had the opportunity to talk to about why this occurred. And you remember, Carrie, we always thought it was, oh, Jason Kenney's bought off or, oh, it's just corruption or this and that. There was all sorts of reasons why. Yeah. In the end, the reason why the government did what they did, it was, it was because we allowed it to happen in the first place. So our government gives us socialized health care. It's very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe in 2019, the Alberta government alone spent $2.2 billion on pharmaceuticals uh, through the socialized healthcare uh, system and another $19 billion in healthcare administration. Now, Alberta has the sovereign jurisdiction to administer healthcare as they see fit. That means that Alberta can decide what the Alberta College of Physicians and Surgeons uh, directs their college, which is doctors and surgeons, uh, on how to treat disease. But we gave that up. And the reason we did it is because we wanted to be able to, to supply socialized health care. So I mentioned earlier that our budget for pharmaceuticals was $2.2 billion. Mm -hmm. That's at a very, very steep discount. Now, I don't know exactly what the discount is. I've heard upwards of 90%. So the Alberta government gets about a 90% discount yeah. for the pharmaceuticals we use in our socialized healthcare. Now, if our budget is $22 billion Two and 10% and of that budget, uh, or pardon me, and our pharmaceuticals were 2.2 billion yeah. at 90%, that means that the total budget for pharmaceuticals without a discount is $22 billion. That means that socialized healthcare is almost unachievable at the current economic model. So. What's happened is our governments have made deals with pharmaceutical companies and the pharmaceutical companies said, hey, we'll help you support your socialized health care. We'll help you form governments and pretend that healthcare is free in your country. We'll give you this steep discount on your drugs, but you have to treat diseases the way we say. Now, Carrie, do you remember when we talked to uh, Dr. Peter McCullough in the United States, he mentioned how the United States actually passed laws that that make it illegal to treat any disease with anything other than a pharmaceutical. Then the, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did say that. Here's, here's one of the reasons why. So in Canada, um, we were faced with a purported pandemic and the CDC and their friends over the WHO decided, hey, this is how we have to deal with it. We have to shut down the economy. We have to shut down the world. You have to lock people in their homes. You have to have curfews. You have to do all of these things. And then you have to push a vaccine. And our government, even Jason Kenney, said, no, we're not going to do these things. Do you remember Jason Kenney? He said, hey, we're sorry for 
uh, we're sorry for picking which businesses were essential and which ones weren't. We shouldn't have done that. We'll never do it again. Do you remember him saying, we'll never implement a Vax Pass? That would be illegal. I don't even know right? what a Vax Passport is. Exactly. This is the best summer ever. And they're not just the best summer. We're not open for summer. We're open for good. I promise. It wasn't that he was trying to trick us. It's that he hadn't realized, this is my opinion, yeah. the full extent of this. Yeah. If the government in this province and in this country had not done what they were told in how to deal with this pandemic, if the colleges hadn't have done what they did with the doctors, our discount for our pharmaceuticals goes poof. Wow. We now are on the hook for $22 billion of pharmaceuticals. And we, we can't afford it because we send $27 billion to Ottawa every year. And now little Timmy, who needs $100,000 in pharmaceuticals per month to survive, cannot get those drugs through our socialized healthcare, which is the pillar of Canadian, the Canadian model. That's what people talk about all over the world. Is their healthcare so great? It's so awesome. It's free. It's free. It's not free. We bought and paid for it with our sovereignty over our own lives. And we witnessed it over the last three years. Because do you remember hearing about how Canada is about to give up their sovereignty to the WHO? We're going to allow the WHO to um, make policy on our health. Yeah. And if there's another pandemic, they, we they already pandemic. do. Because the CDC and the WHO work together on these things. So if the WHO recommends to the CDC, we have to do these things, that's the policy. Yeah. And we toe the line because we get an $18 billion discount. It's all about money. It's all about power. It, it was right from the very beginning. And we saw politicians probably who didn't know these things. You and I were uh, thinking about running as politicians. I had no idea. You had no idea. Probably most of our MLAs, even the premier had no idea until the rubber met the road and he was standing up against these things. Now, all of a sudden, once you look behind that curtain and you realize, holy shit, the bureaucracy has tied us up. The bureaucracy has taken control of our lives, yeah. has removed our sovereignty for the convenience of socialized healthcare. That's what happened. Now, you know, I've only heard a few people talk about this, yeah. um, and and the people that I've discussed this with, they they know what's going on. They're in positions of power. They've seen these things. They they know how this stuff works, and I have no reason not to believe them. If you don't believe me, I would encourage you to maybe talk to your elected representatives about it and ask them if they know. Yeah. Because if this has happened, if this has occurred, that means that our health, that we're supposed to have sovereign jurisdiction in our province over, we do not have it. It's somebody else calling the shots. Why is it that we have a book five meters thick from external agencies that tell our doctors how they must treat certain things? How is it that our doctors used to be able to have a relationship with us and say, hey, you know, you're having issues with your heart. I hear that aspirin has having some success in, in preventing heart attacks. So we're going to give you aspirin off-label to prevent heart attacks. How is it that that could happen before and all of a sudden it can't happen anymore? And like other countries just, other countries around the world treated uh, COVID with, with ivermectin successfully. Yeah. Uh, they reduced their mortality and their, their incidence of sickness. They're not stupid people. They're smart. They have geniuses in El Salvador too. Mm -hmm. What made them or what made us in Canada so willing to demonize ivermectin and prevent people from 
getting the treatments that actually worked. It was that book. It was the rule book that says, no doctors, you must give our drugs to treat this. Otherwise, we got some big problems. Wow. So yeah. having said, so that's a bit of a bombshell. So having said that, we're talking about provincial government and regulation dealing with pharmaceutical companies and getting a discount, blah, blah, blah. What happens going further if we decided to become our own sovereign nation? And instead of being billed $2.2 billion, we're now getting a $22 billion bill for pharmaceuticals. I already have the answer to that. Oh, so do I. Tell us, Carrie. I want to hear it. I, I, number one is I question why everything is pharmacy. Everything is drugs. Why don't we actually start a, 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 a country, if we want to do that, start a country that's actually, um, that basically just wants to be healthy. So get rid of a lot of the crap food. We uh, subsidize people if they want to go to the gym, uh, eating right and being outside, doing that stuff, getting vitamin, uh, vitamin D, uh, educating people on uh, the use of sunscreen and when and how and all that sort of stuff. I think we we would be leaders, absolute leaders. Well, there is another side of this too. Yeah. So I mentioned that we gave up our sovereignty for comfort and convenience. Now, I would argue, and I don't have the stats in front of me, I should probably look this up so I have a number, but I would argue that there's a very large majority of Canadians that rely on pharmaceuticals. Would yes. you agree with that? Okay. In yeah. one way or another, right? And, you know, for... Phar pharmaceutical companies have put out some products that have changed the world for the better in ways that we couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend, for instance, she has MS and a pharmaceutical company created a product that made it disappear. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. They've improved the quality of life for so many people, for billions of people. But at the end of the day, they're business and they're in the business of making money. You know, some some of them, they probably, maybe it makes them feel good to help people, but I would think probably the, the richest people in the world, uh, they feel less and they think more. It's more about business. It's more about money. Well, why, why would a pharmaceutical company be willing to harm billions of people uh, to make $100 billion um, knowing that they're going to get sued? Well, because the lawsuit's going to be $5 billion and they made $100 billion. That's It's true. business, That's right? Yeah. Uh, so I... You, you, we can't say that it's it's all bad, but we've allowed the bad to infiltrate our society because, number one, we didn't pay attention. And, and number two, we wanted the comfort and convenience. Mm -hmm. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. It was what it was to do with what you just said. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the other part of it is that I think because so many Canadians rely on pharmaceuticals, yeah. even if this was mainstream news and verified and everybody all knew this, do you think people would still say, no, lock me down, just give me my drugs? I, I think a lot of people would. They probably would, yeah. Because we live, we live in a fast food society. We want instant gratification. We want a painkiller that's going to take away the pain in our knee. We don't want six months of physiotherapy that's going to train us to our body to be better. We don't want natural remedies that take a year to actually fix the problem. We want a band aid over the symptom and we want to feel good instantly. 
And I think that desire that's been created by living in a free and prosperous world for, well, not even that long, really, has made it so that people may ask to be enslaved as long as they get their instant gratification. And that's something, that's a societal issue. That's not something any government's going to fix. It's not something a politician's going to fix. That The only thing that's going to fix that is individual conversations, returning to strong families where families, you know, talk about these things. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cultural revolution is what that is. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's not the job of any political party. But it can be the job of an educational society who actually wants to do something to lay a foundation to get back to a prosperous, uh, a prosperous world where we have sovereign, sovereign jurisdiction over our own selves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to show, uh, here's a question. Do you not think that eating healthy and exercise has not been taught? I think in a first world country it has been taken for granted that we should be intelligent enough to know, but yet it has been taught in the Alberta school since the sixties. We had the Canada Fitness and Canada Food Guide for 50 years. Those things have nothing to do with health. Those things have everything to do with government. Do you think that the milk does your body good slogan was created because milk actually does your body good? Is, is, does anybody actually believe that? It, this is marketing. Yeah. The Canada Fitness and Canada Food Guide was marketing. There's lobbyists in different areas that lobbied the government to have the Canada Food Guide made the way it was. and. You know, when you look at the, you look at the recommended daily intake for vitamins, that's, that keeps you alive, but a shell of a person. It's enough vitamin C to prevent scurvy. <laughs> uh, when is the last time you heard anyone mention besides people on, you know, the, the, the fringe say, Hey, Canadians don't get much vitamin D. As a matter of fact, it's the one thing that's been linked to uh, the high rate of multiple sclerosis in yeah. Canada among women is lack of vitamin D. And yet, the vitamin D it says in the recommended daily intake is not even enough. It's not enough to support a healthy immune system. Yeah. I mean, they say like, I think 50 international units or whatever it is, but then your MS doctor tells you to take 4,000 units a day. Yeah. Right. Those, those things, that's not teaching health. That's indoctrinating children to follow uh, a procedure that puts money in people's pockets. And you might not agree with me, but I've come to realize a lot of these things are that. The campaign against animal fats and cholesterol. Carrie, uh, we talked about this on a show. Do you remember? I can't remember. We found the article and we put it up. But there was a study, actually a few studies done in the last 15 years. And those studies basically said, hey, this whole idea that food-borne cholesterol increases your body cholesterol and requires you to take pharmaceuticals to intervene is bogus. It was never real. Um, it's not, there's, there isn't the link that they said it, there was, and they slowly phased it out. They didn't announce, Hey, everybody, we, we made a mistake. You don't need these cholesterol drugs anymore. They just slowly phased it out because they're making money. Yeah. So there's a big, there's this huge campaign against animal fats. And we, this was right around the same time that a Canadian company patented a product called canola, hmm. also yeah. known as rapeseed. They patented this product, and I'm not saying it's a bad product. It's a good product, used all over the world. But the marketing 
convinced people that because it was from a plant, it was healthier for you than what the animal has. Now, science disagrees with that. Yeah. Science tells us that if an animal eats a plant, those nutrients, minerals, and vitamins that are in the plant become part of the animal. It's stored in their tissues, it's stored in their flesh and in their organs. But the animal also does something that doesn't get done if we eat the vegetables. They filter out toxins and bad things and they excrete it using their own system before we consume the good things. Yeah. So in a way, eating an animal can be healthier than eating a plant, yeah. depending on the situation. But, you know, they, they don't teach you that. They just say, oh, it's beef fat. It's bad for you. It's animal fat. It's bad for you. Yeah. When canola oil quadrupled in price, um, I was looking for alternatives in my restaurant. I started doing some research about animal fats. And I found out that animal fats, you know, according to real science, not marketing, are healthier for you in a frying scenario. They're healthier for you because uh, from healthy animals, mind you, right? Yeah. But the marketing doesn't tell you that. The marketing tells you that it's bad for you because it's from a, a, a pig, it's bacon fat or whatever, and you should all eat canola oil. Well, that's it's 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 wrong. Yeah. I remember uh, reading a book probably 10 or 15 years ago anyways, and it had to do with um, body uh, blood type and body type and uh, how your uh, uh, metabolic, all that sort of stuff works. And it would tell you based upon, you know, what you what you want to do and what you want to achieve, you know, maybe more meat and maybe more uh, grains or maybe whatever it worked out to be. And I know for me, it really was a lot of meat. Uh, have I changed my uh, my diet based upon reading that book? No, but I, I should go back and revisit that. But one thing I have done in the last guaranteed the last six months is you just talked about canola oil. And again, reading a lot of stuff uh, in terms of margarine and and what they what you know how how this uh, this oil is added to pretty much everything that we eat, I've pretty much given up on margarine at least at, at home that I can possibly do, and uh, I'm strictly a butterman. I'm a butterman now, just right to that. And and whether or not that's going to do anything for me, if if anything, it uh, it certainly makes me feel a little healthier decision. And I mean, I. I still eat uh, buns, and of course, I'm going to eat butter with that, and uh, and that's just the way. Oh, who doesn't love some good buns? I <laughs> good buns, <laughs> and you know, and, and so we all should take control over what uh, of our own destiny and and how we eat and and what we do and how we exercise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we cannot rely on the government to just say this is what you should be eating based yep. upon a population like everybody in Canada should be eating three things based upon yeah. lobbyists telling the government that they want people consuming their products that's right yeah yeah right and this is a, a prime example of where we gave up our sovereignty for a comfort and convenience because we send our children to school yeah. and we expect the children to teach or pardon me we expect the uh, the schools on behalf of the government to teach our children how to eat healthy Oh, they're teaching them the Canada Food Guide. Oh, that's great. Oh, they're teaching them that, uh, you know, uh, seed oils are better for them than animals. Ah, well, you know, my parents never, never did that, but whatever, the government, they must be right. We allowed them to take on the role that we should have played in our children's lives, yeah. which is teaching them those things. All these, I shouldn't say all, but most natural remedies, you don't get them from a doctor or from the government. You get them from your grandmother or your great-grandmother. Yeah, they tell you, especially the the old Greek ladies, 
you know, you got a, you got a cut on your hand, spray some Windex on it. You need some ammonia in there. Oh, you got a pimple? Windex. Oh, you got bad breath? Windex. Oh, you're out of toilet paper? Windex. You know? <laughs> That's and true. It, that is true. It's funny, but it's it's true. It's the uh, the elders in our society yeah. that used to pass this knowledge down to the children. Um, they have that information. Yeah. We stopped doing it because we were too busy working, too busy planning our vacations, too busy being comfortable in this free and prosperous democracy that we created. Yeah. And we allowed somebody else to train our children. And what they've trained them in is not based on truth. I'm not saying it's all bad, but I'm saying there's a whole wealth of information and a whole nother way, another side of uh, uh, of looking at things that they're not getting. Yeah, and we, we have to start taking some of that stuff back. Yeah. Look, there's uh, cod liver oil. <laughs> Gross, but did I you, take it. Did you ever have uh, cod liver oil? I had fish oil. We used to have. Uh, uh, these little fish oil uh, vitamins, for lack of a better word, I guess. And it was probably cod and it was a bunch of other things, but they just called it fish oil. And uh, so that's why I'm a really good swimmer. So. Ah, I thought it's because why you smelled bad. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> There's a good uh, comment on here. Yeah. The government is trying to limit natural health right now. That's true. Yes. So in some parts of Europe, uh, vitamins, minerals, and natural health remedies are regulated. Yeah. They're considered pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And I can't remember who told me about this, but they were in Germany and they needed, they, they didn't bring enough vitamin D or something. So they went to the pharmacy and asked for vitamin D and they got something with a really, really low amount. And they said, no, we're, where's the, you know, we want the thousand yeah. unit yeah. capsules. Yeah. And the pharmacist looked at them and said, why would you want to poison yourself? And they're like, what are you talking about? And the pharmacist tried to convince them that that was a toxic level of vitamin D. Now, our parliament in Canada is talking about regulating natural health remedies. This was already done in the States, but it was done in a tricky way. And it was done, I can't remember how long ago, but it was years and years and years ago. Um, what the heck was his name? They basically shut down naturopaths, homeopaths, all the, all the natural medicine stuff, and only allowed colleges based on pharmaceutical to yeah. be mainstream yeah so they effectively took out all the natural health remedies at, at the knees and but then and they've the also they've also passed legislation too we're yeah. trying to do that in canada now i think the rothschilds actually started yeah. that you're right that's yeah. exactly what it was i yeah. can't I, the, the guy's name they hired is on the tip of my tongue but i can't we were just talking about this. Another problem is the attack against the naturopathic doctor doctors. Instead of working with them to cure whatever disease, there is no money in it for pharmaceutical companies, and that's that's very true. We all know someone that probably has uh, some life threatening disease or cancer or something like that, and right away, what do they do? Well, you got to go and here's the drugs, and uh, and again, it's cookie cutter based upon what they've what they've done in the past not looking at your family tree not look as far as i know not looking at the family tree not looking to see um you know what would possibly work with with your particular situation it's like nope this is the way we're doing it and there's no ifs ands or buts about it because we've worked we're working and we've got an 87 percent success rate why why do you not have a hundred percent success rate 
if you actually did your job and and went back through the charts and and actually spent some time at it, maybe you could get that number higher. That's just that's just me. I'm just saying. Does that make sense? Somebody mentioned something about there is vitamin D toxicity, which of course there is. You can you can take too much of anything. Too much so I was just looking up the symptoms. Yeah, too much water. As a matter of fact, I remember watching. Uh, I think it was a TikTok video or something on somebody that uh, that ended up dying or was definitely in in the hospital for months about uh, over too much water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was on a thousand ways to die. Oh, probably. A lady overhydrated and her brain blew up or something weird. Yeah. Okay, so here's the, this is from, uh, oh, the Mayo Clinic. So it's probably right. Okay. Taking 60,000 international units a day of vitamin D for several months has been shown to cause toxicity. This level is many, high, many times higher than the U.S. recommended dietary allowance for most adults of 600 IU of vitamin D a day. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I don't know anybody that takes anywhere close to that, but uh, MS doctors recommend between four and four and five thousand uh, units a day. I seem to remember the uh, the number twenty three coffees per day. Eight ounce coffee is too much caffeine for you as well. So that stunts your growth. I always stop at twenty. Yeah, I don't want to push the envelope and get twenty two. No. <laughs> so have I? Have I? No, as confuse my, people more. Have I uh, have I been effective in uh, <laughs> explaining how we've given up our sovereignties? Yes. Well, we've we've definitely given them up. Like there's there's like just look around you. Everything that that I'm looking at has some government something attached to it. Whether it's a license or you know this this was imported. How was it imported? Well, it would have had to have some sort of uh, paperwork done to it. Like everything everywhere has had something done to it in terms of government. So here's the yeah. question. How do we get back or something? We stand up and we say enough is enough. There, enough. there are very enough. few. I'm standing up. Yeah, there you go. Hey, I got my shirt on too. There's very few people in this world who control a very large amount of people. Um, and of course the image of cattle of cattle in a in a feedlot kind of comes to mind. I mean, there's how many ranchers and there's thousands of cattle. And if the cattle one day stood up and said enough is enough, or like that movie, the trees eventually stood up and said enough is enough. Well, we're in big 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 trouble, right? So first, the first the first thing is we have to recognize that we already own that. Yeah, that's something that is ours. It's what this country was based on. It's what the idea of democracy was based on is that we are sovereign individuals and we make our own choices. This, the, the Canada has always been about choice. And the problem that I have now with, with continuing our relationship as a province within Canada is that they're taking away our choices. We're no longer allowed to make the choices that we were guaranteed we would be allowed to make as a province. And I say, um, if that's the way the federal government wants to go, we should not be going with them. As a matter of fact, I would say that we have a responsibility and a duty to say no, because if we don't, we're going to end up in a situation where those choices don't exist in the future. And we're going to have to explain to our kids why that is. Mm -hmm. Why is it illegal to buy garlic to treat something? 
and you have to do this. Why is, why is that? Why do you have to take a shot to go and sit down in a restaurant? Right? What? Why is it that we have to discriminate against people who make different medical choices? We're supposed to be allowed to have these choices. Mm -hmm. So we have to stand. First of all, we have to recognize that we already have that sovereignty as a province, as individuals, and we have to stand up and say no. We're not giving it up anymore. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, we have to start taking it back. So the beautiful thing with an organization like Alberta Prosperity Project is that we have chapters all over the province. Now, these chapters, uh, some of them meet regularly, and there's 50, 60, 100, 120 people that meet regularly. Now, if you were a group of 120 people, and you started showing up to every school board meeting, every city council meeting, every uh, county council meeting, and there was 100 people in that room who were asking questions and telling those councillors or the school board uh, people, no, we're not going to teach our children soji. We're going to teach them about health. We're going to teach them about uh, Alberta's relationship with Canada. And we're going to teach them about equalization. We're going to teach them about the Constitution and what our sovereign rights are as a province. Mm -hmm. Those are the things we should be teaching. We, we, we should be teaching kids who they, who they, not who they are, but who they can be how they can exist, how, what rights they have. You know, do you know what I mean, Carrie? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one way to start taking it back. Uh, on a grander scale, of course, I would say we need a referendum on independence in this province because we have to give our provincial government the leverage they need to negotiate with the federal government to get our sovereignty back. Yeah. Right now we have a law passed in Alberta called the Alberta Sovereignty Act. And that law, it, that piece of legislation says that Alberta will not recognize nor will we enforce any federal law that violates our sovereign jurisdiction in any constitutional matter. So right now we have a very serious problem because things like healthcare, that is provincial jurisdiction. And that's something that we were very adamant about when we joined Confederation. We said we don't want a federal entity uh, dealing with uh, our region's health concerns. We are going to administer it on our own that's our right as a province but now the the federal government is being very sneaky because one of their sovereign jurisdictions that they have and i use the word sovereign very lightly there it's more like a usurped jurisdiction is environment and climate because it affects all of the all of the country yeah. so now teresa tam is conflating health with climate yes you right. see what she's doing there she's trying to say that climate change is affecting our health and our health affects climate change. So the federal government will take that power, just like with the carbon tax. The province has uh, jurisdiction in developing, ex extracting, developing, and exporting their natural resources to our benefit. Now the federal government says, whoa, we deal with climate and that pipeline that you want to put in there, that releases carbon dioxide in this super ridiculous BS calculation we're doing. And because that pipeline uh, releases carbon dioxide that the plants are going to eat and your plants are going to grow better, we're not letting you build that pipeline, even though we have no right to. Also, we're going to charge you on that carbon dioxide, even though the math and the formula we use is completely ridiculous. 
They have no right to tax us on how we use our resources in the provinces, but they're doing it. And the Supreme Court is allowing it because climate is their portfolio. But luckily, luckily, we have uh, a premier right now who, and it was actually, it was, it was her that explained this to me. She knows why that happened. And it was because our government at the time when Jason Kenney uh, brought a reference case before the Supreme Court, did you know that they didn't even argue the facts of climate change, the facts of climate change? The ruling said, because no, neither side disputes the facts of climate change, we're going to rule in favor of the federal government because climate's a federal portfolio. Well, that's going to happen with our health. That's going to happen with our natural health products. That's going to happen with our farms. It's going to happen with our uh, ranches. Right now in Parliament, they're talking about phasing out specific species of cows because they fart more. And they're talking about uh, only allowing synthetic feed. Maybe it's not only allowing. Pushing synthetic feed to reduce flatulence, to reduce climate change. In a country that is responsible for less than 1.5% of global CO2 emissions, not that it matters anyway, and we absorb easily that much with our, uh, our massive forests, they're talking about phasing out farms and agriculture and feeding your cattle the, the beef you're going to be eating, synthetic food to keep them from farting. That's our federal government. Yeah. That's why we need to stand up and we need to say enough is enough. Yeah. You guys are lunatics. We're not going with you. Um, and we don't have to because we are sovereign individuals and this is a sovereign province. I just wanted to show that, of course, they've they've changed from Environment Canada to Environment and Climate Change Canada, and of course, the where's weather- the guy in the orange jumpsuit? Was he there? I don't. Clock tower guy. Uh, clock tower guy. I don't know what that yeah. was. Anyways, the our, they- uh, our federal minister of the environment is the oh, guy that got arrested for climbing the clock tower. Uh, yes, Stephen yeah. Bergo or whatever his name is. Um. And then, of course, they changed the Weather Network to be the Weather Network and Climate Change Canada. So, come on, seriously, they, where? Yeah, every well, it's it's there. It's certainly on my app. And oh, they, visit our climate experience. Yeah, so you can go and visit that and see what's happening there. And they uh, they like the stuff that I see on my weather app on my phone is uh, it's just it's bizarre because it's like. Every two stories has something to do with this is what climate change is doing this year. It's lunacy. They're, it's they... absolute lunacy. No, no. But I think that's what people need to realize. And and for the most part, I think all the viewers here uh, do that. And uh, again, we, we come down to the whole uh, uh, Bill C-11 and Bill, uh, Bill uh, C-18 where they've uh, basically news isn't allowed in Canada and and it's uh, you know, if, if something is being brought in from from uh, another country it's filtered etc and uh, and even this um, this stream I know will be filtered at some point so if you can share because you can still share sharing and uh, sharing is caring people and if you share uh, on Facebook or if you share the link on uh, rumble or uh, shoot or what you know whatever platform you're doing i usually end up posting these things up on um 
uh, Spotify and they go with the Apple podcast. Of course, you don't see all of this. You just hear just hear us rambling. But uh, that, that's okay because at the beginning you couldn't see Chris anyways. But but get the word out and don't be afraid to to have these awkward conversations with your neighbors. I know that's that's one thing that I find is, um, you know, it, for the most part, I think neighbors and friends are on the same page. But it's it's kind of that. How do you get to that point in order to initiate that conversation? You could be brute force and just say, hey, what do you think about climate change? Or you can, you know, just say, oh, you know what? There's a lot of smoke in the air. Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of smoke. I know how we're going to fix this. Okay, there you go. I know how we can end climate change in this country. All we have to do is we have to outlaw the internal combustion engine. Yes. And we have to make everybody drive electric cars. That's yes. all we have to do. Good idea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that looks perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you know what? I actually, I'm wondering if maybe these electric cars are burning down because of climate change. Yeah. It's probably, look at it, it's even lighting the other car on fire. Holy I, good grief. It's smoke. Yeah. Yeah. It's all smoke and mirrors. We're going to put this, you get electrocuted. We're going to put this in uh, airplanes now. Yeah. Can you see it? Can you see what I'm sure? Yeah, I can see what you, I can't hear it, but I can definitely see it. Yeah, there's no sound on the video for some reason. That's good. That was great. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to point this because I like going the good and the bad. Do either of you have any science degree or are you just interpreting information that's available to all of us? Absolutely. I'm, in, I'm interpreting both the good and the bad. And I'm using my brain to say, this doesn't make sense. Granted, there probably is some sort of climate change. Although even looking back at some of the models that I've looked at, they they have only done you know temperature from the mid 1800s and with that they've had like one one way or uh, one temperature recorded say in New York the entire state and then over the course of many years they add more in and then the uh, temperature they can actually get down to say a tenth of a degree so of course if you're looking at something that in the 1800s was 18 degrees. And now you're looking at it now, it's 19.6 because there's there's more thermometers out there and all that. Of course it makes sense, right? And but I like I, this comment. I don't like the the idea that they're doing the uh the fear-mongering with, with all of this. And you know what? If you don't agree with us, do your own research. I think that's you know, don't don't just assume that what we say is, it, is gospel because I can tell you right now it is not gospel. It doesn't even necessarily require research. So the question is, do either of you have any, do either of your have any science degree or are you just interpreting information that's available to all of us? No, I don't have a science degree, but what I do have is a brain and I try and use it as best I can. Yeah. Um, a science degree does not give you common sense. Yeah. And that's all you need these days to, to sift through these things and decide what makes sense and what doesn't. And I would ask you, if, from my point of view, I'm watching our government in this country and in this province, actually, destroy our prosperity in the name of climate change. They're telling Canadians that they have to sacrifice their way of life to stop climate change. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe that's real. Let's look at the facts. Let's zoom out a little bit. How does Canada impact climate if man mankind, people kind, are impacting the climate in a negative manner? Well, 
we put out less than 1.5% of global emissions. Okay, that's not very much. Or a huge country. Yeah. We don't hardly emit anything. We're very good, responsible stewards of the environment. We clean up our messes when we make them. We have strim- stringent environmental laws. Yeah. So how is it that we have to destroy our lives in order to save the planet when we don't actually contribute that much? That's the, that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is simple history. If you look at what the scientists with the science degrees are telling you, they're telling you that in the last 200 years or whatever, we have had a 1.4 degree or something like that increase. Holy good grief, that's scary. The ice caps are going to melt and uh, Plymouth Rock is gonna be underwater. So are the Maldives, although they haven't been underwater in thousands of years because it's not real. Now, if you zoom out a little bit more, you'll find that we're cooler now than we were a few thousand years ago. We have less CO2 now than we had a few thousand years ago. So which which information are you going to use? Are you going to accept that somebody with a science degree getting paid by the government or getting paid by a company that manufactures solar panels is telling you that we have to use solar panels, otherwise everyone's going to die? Or are you going to look at the information yourself and and cut through the bullshit. Like, that's what a lot of it is. It's marketing. Look at who's getting rich off of these things. Who? Where is the wealth moving? Where did the wealth move during the pandemic? $45 billion or something like that moved from the middle class yeah. into the upper class that's right. during COVID, during the pandemic. Yeah. What does that tell you? Billions and billions and billions of dollars are moving from lower and middle class to... Uh, ultra elitist rich people who are investing in green initiatives. What does that tell you? These are the people that can afford to to market and tell you that it's necessary for you to destroy your own life Mm -hmm. and to stop existing to benefit the planet. They can do that. And they are doing that. David Suzuki, one of the, he's a very, very wealthy man has a huge carbon footprint tells you that you should be eating bugs while he's eating whatever the hell he eats. You know, it's not difficult to figure out what's not necessarily what's real and what's not, but what's not absolute BS and what's real. That's that's an easy thing to do. And you don't need a science degree to do it. Yeah. And it, and if you do want someone with a science degree. So uh, we've done these webinars uh, every Wednesday. Almost. Have we done it for a year now? I think we've done it for a year. Maybe, maybe not consistently, but definitely most of the Wednesdays. And one of them uh, was basically on climate change and uh, the models. And that was with our good friend, Michelle Sterling from Friends of Science. And I, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it was probably done in January or February. We can always look back and uh, take a look at that. And uh, and and that was a really good webinar, too. That was probably an hour and a half, as they all always seem to be. Lots of charts, lots of graphs. And uh, she actually brought up the uh, David Suzuki Foundation and uh, and what was happening with CBC. And so well worth the listen. And honestly, it's it's all topical. There's nothing in there that was based upon, you know, the science of that month no like this is uh, this is an ongoing thing so i don't so, think sir. bill nye does bill nye have a science degree no he doesn't he's a uh a mechanical engineer or an engineering degree or something like that yeah and yet he's convinced probably millions of people yeah. that they have to not exist because the earth's going to burn down al gore didn't have a science degree 
and Shirley I'm, actually commented. She said she lives with some a couple of people or someone with two science degrees, yeah. and she does have common sense, but she doesn't have the knowledge they do. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about knowledge versus there's a difference between uh oh, how do I put this? Knowledge is fluid. Yeah. If you're going to if you go to university right these days and you're taking some sort of a science program, if you say, uh, you know, anthrop anthropological climate change isn't real, the climate's been changing for thousands of years, it's going to continue to continue to do so. As a matter of fact, it appears th as though the Earth responds to the way we interact with it and um, in, a, in a positive way to deal with our output and give us more food. Yeah. Well, they'll tell you, oh, I'm sorry, you failed. You know, the knowledge that you have to present to, to get through university doesn't always, it doesn't always, uh, it's not always based in reality. For instance, if you go to university these days and you say there's two genders, you'll probably just be kicked out. Yeah. Now, is that, is that real? Is that, is that real? Is that uh, a fact? And if so, if universities are about making sure that you have knowledge and facts yeah. and then uh, giving you a degree acknowledging that, what does that degree actually mean now? Yeah. If your doctor tells you, man, this is uh, close to home. If say you have an allergic reaction to a shot and your doctor says to you, oh, you had an allergic reaction to the shot, but you know, don't let it hold you back from having another one. What kind of knowledge is that? What What is the knowledge that that doctor is putting forth? Yeah. Is that the knowledge that what he or she is telling you to do is good for you? Or is that the knowledge that if they don't do that, the College of Physicians and Surgeons is going to persecute them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we have to be very careful with that. We look up and we see a piece of paper on someone's wall and it used to mean, well, we can, we can trust them. They must be smart. But at the same time, if you not even in just recent history, we had people that had those things on the wall that still drilled holes in people's heads to relieve headaches. That is they true. actually assisted hysterical housewives yeah. in masturbation sessions in the doctor's office to 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 um, cure hysteria. Mm -hmm. Like these are the people that have the smart sticker on the wall. Yeah. Right. So that doesn't mean that we should give up our sovereign jurisdiction over our own selves because they have that piece of paper yeah. that we, we always have to make sure that the decisions we're making are based on our own, our own common sense. Yeah. I'm going to get in trouble for bringing that up, aren't I? That's okay. Uh, I just, I just read about that again the other day and it blows my mind. Some of the things that we've done as, as a human race, some of the professional things that we yeah. had happen around us and just yeah. didn't say anything. The lidamide comes to mind. Yes, that is one. Uh, I did write down that uh, Tanner today actually had a really good uh, series of podcasts on what was happening at the universities, and he actually does talk about uh, uh, genders and and you know what what is actually going on with that. So if you look up Tanner today. 
um, and we've we've had him on the podcast. He was actually the VP of Economics uh, about a year ago for APP, and uh, decided to continue on doing other stuff. And uh, we wish him well because and he's he's doing awesome. I think he's doing awesome. But if you want to know more and you you do want a degree, you can actually go to UVic, and there is a climate science bachelor of science degree. And uh, responding to climate change is the world's most urgent problem. Learn the foundations of climate science to translate climate information and uh, actionable practice. So that oh. is that. And, and just so you know, UVic did get funding from the federal government in order to implement this program. So And listen to this. This is the first program on North America's West Coast to receive UN accreditation for delivering UN sustainable development goals. Yes. The least of which yeah. is not a reduction of the world's population to 1.5 billion people, but let's not talk about that conspiracy. That's right, yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, our, our schools have been overrun yeah. by the mob. Wow. Universities for sure have been. And it's our own damn fault. Yeah. We have nobody to blame but ourselves. Yeah. We allowed those things to happen, and now we got this huge task of fixing it. And and I often wonder, how do you fix these things when our universities are indoctrinating the next generation with these ideas? Yeah. It's not going to be an easy thing. But luckily, kids still have common sense, and a lot of them see right through it, like our friend Tanner. You're right. I know I have two daughters in university and I uh, love them very much. As you know, I'm a, a proud daddy. And, uh, but they, you know, they do believe almost everything that the uh, professors tell them because we basically told them that when you're growing up, you listen to your elders and you do as uh, you know, you're told. And, uh, and I actually think we should have a generation of people that do question everything. And you can't have your pudding if you don't, Eat your meat. Eat your meat. <laughs> so Stone, actually, I like this comment because it's very close to home for me. It actually kind of goes along with my second job. Who gave anyone the authority to seed the clouds for hail? Whose sky, whose clouds are we? Are they? That's a very, very good question. And again, um, when you're talking about seeding clouds for hail, I am a strong advocate for that. Yeah. And you might wonder why. Well, I'm not going to tell you. Just kidding. I don't like grapefruit size hail. I don't like golf ball size hail. I don't like tennis ball size hail. I like airplanes. I like science. I like the idea that we know that we can fly a really cool airplane into a storm cloud, which is, I mean, that in itself, you've got to be a cowboy to do that, and um, inject that cloud with silver iodide, which is not harmful to you. As a matter of fact, um, those both those compounds, including including the... Uh, silver iodide compound are beneficial mm -hmm. and we can prevent grapefruit size hail. I like that idea because I don't want to walk outside and get hit by tennis ball size hail. Did you know that people die in Alberta getting hit by hail every year? Yes. That happens. Yep. Uh, the insurance companies, now this is off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly what the number is, but I think insurance companies, underwriters that operate in Alberta, spend $1.5 billion per year preventing golf ball and tennis ball and grapefruit size hail because insurance claims in Alberta for hail are through the roof. That's why we do it. Uh, and this is something that would have been, this would have gone through the government. This would have gone through the 
you know, and, and, and the ministry of the environment, those kinds of things. And if you, if you don't like the idea that clouds are being uh, seeded to with silver iodide to prevent huge hail, mm -hmm. start going to municipal council meetings, go to your CA meetings, bring it up. Um, you can even come and talk to me at the whistle stop cafe and you could try and change my mind and, and you could try and make me think that uh, golf ball size hail is good. Probably going to have a hard time doing it. Yeah. But in that case, the, the question is whose sky, whose clouds are they? It's our sky. Yeah. And they are our clouds. Um, and we have decided as a society for better or for worse, that we're going to engage in those activities. Now that's certainly you could actually send planes, but it's very expensive, very expensive. That airplane uh, that goes up there to, to seed clouds to prevent huge hail, I think it costs somewhere in the neighborhood of $2,000, $2,200 an hour to operate. So fill your boots. Um, not everything we agree to do as a society is good. I mean, we certainly shouldn't have agreed to give up uh, our authority over our property to the federal government. We shouldn't have agreed to allow special interest groups to hijack our resources yeah. i mean those are things that we allowed as a society that we shouldn't have done and if we show up in big enough numbers we can change those things all of those bad things that we've allowed to happen we can change it all we got to do is show up so yeah it's it's our planet it's our province it's our town you know it's our this is my yard yeah. and if we can talk to each other and make decisions based grounded in reality on how to interact, interact together peacefully, mm -hmm. then yeah, we can, we can change those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, just, just looking at what's been going on in the, in the, in the last bit, I mean, it doesn't really matter what topic you pick there's, there's always something to be talked about. And, and so somebody just asked about, um, can we, can we just look, focus on one thing at a time and try and nip that? And, and they, I think they throw a million things at us in order for us to not be able to do just one thing, just having this True. conversation today, as you can tell, we didn't just talk about one topic, like they're all mixed and meshed together. And so, but the underlying thing that, that, Chris has said numerous times, and of course, the whole Alberta Prosperity Project idea is that in order for us to at least have some way of getting out of this mess, or at least being able to uh, to, to take on, you know, the the global elites, if you want to say that, is to have our own sovereign nation, and I think that is uh, a kind of a um, do I dare say a battle cry for people out there to say, you know what, it's summer and I get it. Everybody's doing stuff. It's all nice outside, blah, blah, blah. But we cannot let our foot up off the gas. We have to keep going and, um, and basically getting, getting people involved. And, uh, and again, having these webinars is a great way to at least kind of, there you go, Michelle, get involved, getting, uh, you know, getting people uh, aware of what's going on, share, 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 having conversations with people and then yes, get involved, get involved, whether or not you want to be an APP chapter or just get involved in your community, find out what's happening in your community, find out what's happening in your neighborhood, uh, find out what's happening with your uh, friends and, and your family and, uh, and go from there because uh, this is going to impact us. 
going forward like, like crazy, right? I, I like that you mentioned that. So you're right. There's a, a thousand, there's 10,000 causes out there yeah. that we can get involved in and work on. Yeah. I mean, there's a movie going through theaters. It's gone viral and everyone's talking about that as a the child trafficking thing. Of course, that's a cause yeah. that yeah. we should be focusing on. Um, just off the top of my head, I could probably name six, but the, the way I look at it is if we could solve most or all of these problems by pursuing one goal, yeah. should we not do that? Yeah. I mean, there, there are, there's, there's people that are advocating for lots of these different causes. Our friend, uh, Granny McKay, she has taken up lead in advocating for the four coots guys that are still in jail yeah. folks with no trial after 500 and what? 30 days or something. Yeah. Um, she's, she's bringing attention to that cause. Um, there, there's all sorts of things going on. And I try to remain focused on a referendum in this province to be used as negotiating leverage with the federal government so that we can get back to a place where we can chart our own course as a province. Yeah. We can make reality-based decisions without um, insane policy coming from the federal government that interferes with our prosperity. When we do that, when we take back the ability to make our own choices, a lot of these other things, they fall into line. When we get rid of uh, judges in this province who want to make the prime minister happy by persecuting people who spoke against him, well, that alleviates a lot of problems in this province. When we can have judicial reform and, and fix some of these things that should have been fixed 150 years ago, you know, that's going to change things. When we can uh, when we can create a government that's small and actually working for the people instead of um, instead of turning us into subjects, into slaves that have to work to support our indebtedness to the government, we can change so many of these things. Mm -hmm. If we increase our prosperity and we don't have to work 60 hours a week, well, all of a sudden we have time to have conversations with our children about health, mm -hmm. about natural products. We have the opportunity to have a backyard barbecue with our friends and neighbors and share our feelings about current events with them. And those are some things that we're lacking right now because we're indebted to the government and we shouldn't have to live like that yeah. um you know the tent city thing carrie you're talking about yeah. there's no reason for it there's no reason why albertans should be paying what they're paying for groceries did you know we do you know how much natural gas we have in this province in terms of a number or how much it would last for or what like yeah how long will it last i'll tell you because you're too slow a few hundred we have enough natural gas at current production current reserve uh, current estimated reserves yeah. and accounting for future increase in use for over a thousand years one thousand years we don't even have a thousand years left That's the four right. horsemen will be here long before then and when they get here there's still going to be natural gas that they can use to fire up the 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 barbecues and do whatever it is the four horsemen do <laughs> yeah. the, the reason i mentioned that we have so much natural gas in this province that we could bulldoze every windmill, every solar farm. We could turn that back into arable farmland 
We could build greenhouses that could be fired with natural gas, heating them all year round, growing vegetables all year round, not trucking vegetables in from Mexico, not trucking vegetables in from California. We could do it all here and it would be dirt cheap. No Albertan should have to choose between groceries and a heating bill. No Albertan should have to dig in the seats of their car or couch to get money to go to the grocery store in their car because gas is so expensive. We shouldn't have to do that. There's no need for a tent city. These are manufactured problems that we've allowed to happen. And if we take back our sovereignty, if we take back our ability to chart our own course forward, develop our resources and be prosperous, all of those problems, sorry, not all of them, most of them are manageable. It's true. Can you imagine? We should, be, we should actually have those greenhouses here yeah. because we're probably going to use less, have, have less emissions growing the products here all year round, using our own resources, than using Mexican and California oil to fuel trucks to drive halfway across the world to bring us avocados. You know? It's true. Common sense. We could be making our own avocados. That's... Yeah. I love avocado toast. Can definitely do that. Yeah. Avocados are evil. Did you know that? No. They're one of the bad foods. Are they? Good for you, but... They're the they're horrible social bad. problems uh, caused oh, yeah. by North America's consumption yeah. of avocados. Thank yes. And all all sorts of these these yeah. uh, you're right. Um, what yeah these posh foods that we've become accustomed to eating, they yeah. cause problems in the countries where they originate from. Sugar, yeah. coffee, yeah. cocoa. Oh, that's true. Things we're addicted to. Yeah. Those people are you know they they yell and scream at me because I say there's two genders. And they say I'm killing the planet because I drive a 1976 Grand Torino that runs too rich and backfires. And then they go and they sit in Starbucks and they have avocado toast with their coffee beans that come halfway across the world. Maybe, maybe now it's a little bit better, but 20 years ago, there was a lot of people died in our consumption of coffee yeah. and sugar, right? That's a very good observation. Very good. Uh, but I love avocados and avocado milkshakes with lots of sugar and dairy because milk does a body good. Yeah. Actually, it makes me bloated and flatulent. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and whoever came up with the idea of us drinking cow's milk. Hey, you know what? We should try this. Why I not? I love cow, milk. Cow, it tastes good. great. Uh, turtle, not so much. I, I, no, not turtle. I mash. think you can, you can, you can drink, you can milk any animal with nipples, I Carrie. I think you could. Well, yeah, yeah. even cats. Well, meet the Fockers. No, nothing. <laughs> You're leaving a... me out here all alone with nipples. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to find a better way to segue to get out of this mess, but I think uh, I'll just say, you know what? We're uh, we're. I'm going to say we're running out of time. There is no actual running out of time here. We could talk for another four hours or whatever, but uh, I think uh, people won't enjoy that. They they should go out and enjoy the last bit of summer. I'm going to go out and take the car out for a, a bit of a cruise. Maybe I'll even Me go, too. I'll go get an avocado milkshake and uh, mixed with. Have coffee. you had one? I have not. They're fantastic. Well, then I'll have. I think I've had an avocado uh, slushy or some sort of. Uh, Smoothie, yeah. Let's. Just, you know, just... you know what another another good one is. What's that? Durian milkshake. Durian. 
Okay, I don't even know what durian that is. is that fruit that uh, they, they have it in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And there's actually signs on buses and in loiter and like waiting areas like no eating durian because it stinks so bad. <laughs> if you read the descri uh, people's descriptions of durian that having traveled from Europe to yeah. Asia or whatever and then first encountering it, it's like it tastes like uh, lantern oil mixed with sheep's dung, but we enjoyed it kind of thing, you know? <laughs> I'm going to look that up. So yeah. I mean, first how to first learn how to spell it. Uh, so we're, yeah, we're going to wrap up now, but uh, thanks so much for, uh, for tuning in and uh, any, any last little, I mean, we pretty much the last 10 minutes, we've kind of uh, last words, but uh, any other last words other than the end? Yes. I've got one other thing I want to say too. So I'll let you go. I'll let you go first. Cause I'm the host. So I can, I can, so there is another province in this country that stood up for their sovereignty, yeah. and that's Quebec. Yeah. Now, Alberta, it's it's portrayed in the media that Alberta and Quebec have a stressed relationship, but that's not true at all. Alberta and Quebec are very, very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, mostly our language is exactly the same, and we both don't eat poutine. Yeah. On, out, Quebec found themselves in a position where they were unhappy with their with how the relationship was with Canada and Federation. They stood up for themselves and they said, you know what, if you, we're not going to, we don't want to be part of this because it's not meeting our needs. They held a referendum and the referendum wasn't even successful, but it was successful. They lost by 0.5%. I believe it was 50.5 no to 49.5 yes. Yeah. And that was after, I, I think it was uh, Prime Minister Jean Chrétien that turned the tides on that with a very impassioned speech to Quebecers a few nights prior. Anyhow, they succeeded in sending a message to the federal government that they weren't going to take their crap anymore. Yeah. And they have a lot of interesting things. Some of them I don't agree with, but you know what? They're free to chart their own course because that's their sovereign jurisdiction as a province. But they did it. They, they got together and they made this happen and they improved their position. They improved things for their province. Now, if we, when we do this in Alberta, one of the cool things that happens is it's very likely that it will make Quebec have to develop their natural resources. Yes. Did you know that Quebec has, I think, the third or fourth largest natural gas reserve in the world? Yeah. And they have Quebec, the Quebec uh, uh, Premier already stated that you know they're tired he's tired of taking alberta's money quebec is not a welfare state they can take care of themselves because he knows i think i think they know that this uh lunatic green agenda isn't sustainable i think he knows that and he knows that they're sitting on massive reserves and they could be ridiculous they could they could they could be the alberta of quebec. <laughs> no he, he knows this, right? Yeah. So when we do this here, I think that's going to put Quebec in a situation where they're going to also improve their prosperity yeah. drastically. Yeah. And I'm really excited for that because many people don't know this, but when uh, Alberta pays a lot into equalization right now, far more than any other province has, <laughs> has paid in history. But when Alberta was having real tough times after the national energy policy, and actually in the early 70s, it was Quebec uh, that was a net, uh, funder of Alberta mm -hmm. and they were happy to do so. So this whole idea that Alberta and Quebec are enemies is, uh, it's just a, 
It's a lie. It's an illusion. We're uh, brothers from a different language. Yeah. So, hug a Quebecer today. Of course, you have to go to Quebec in order to do that. But true story. Yeah. So, all I really wanted to finish off with was, you know, we had talked about uh, APP and getting involved. And we want to have events. We want to be able to get people together. And, you know, it's one thing to watch a webinar and and even uh, go to an event and maybe watch it online kind of thing. But to actually get involved and actually be in the same room as people and being able to talk before an event and after an event and making those connections and networking, exchanging phone numbers and emails and, and all that, and then getting together afterward, that's really what APP should be uh, about, and it is. And uh, I've met so many people through APP that uh, obviously we still keep in contact with and, uh, and enjoy getting together and uh, shooting the shit. And I think that's what we need to do. So if you're uh, definitely interested, uh, by all means, uh, again, contact uh, uh, us to be, uh, or contact APP in order to volunteer. And, uh, and if you have ideas for events, if you have an idea for, you know, if you're uh, uh, somewhere in Alberta or maybe even a different province and you want to be able to have people come out and talk to you, uh, by all means, get uh, a hold of us and uh, we will try and make it so, uh, number one, make it so. And, um, and I think, again, going, going further, that's what we really need to focus on uh, over the next, could be four years. Right or or whatever amount of time it needs to be, we need to be able to have people. We need strength in numbers. We need people to have volunteers and people getting involved. So that's kind of all I really wanted to say. And you know what? We have so many volunteers in the chapters already, and I'd like to uh, just uh, acknowledge all the volunteers for APP and say thank you so much. Yeah. For able to to step up and uh, and uh, I know sometimes it feels like it's tireless, but uh, you know everybody around you. Um, and, and including us, will definitely uh, say thank you so much for being able to do that. And um, and yeah, kudos to you guys for being able to do that. And 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 stepping up and, and talking to people. And I know it's not always the easiest thing to get out there and, and talk, but um, it's something that everybody should do. It's a lost art, especially when they tell us to lock down, stay indoors, and watch Netflix and uh, watch the Tiger King. And uh, do you remember that? <laughs> I never watched it. I just couldn't understand why people even watched it. I don't know. I watched the first episode, but I was told you have to watch the first three. Anyways, we didn't get hooked for that. And I got, uh, a, I, go I got, I got something else now. Okay. <laughs> so there's a couple of people commenting four years, question mark. Oh, yeah. I agree. Um, you know, to all the volunteers and people that make APP happen. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. But guess what? Um, you're going to have a lot of work to do. Yeah. I, it's my opinion that we have 18 to 24 months yeah. before things get really, really serious. And we have to be rolling by then. We have to have a plan. We have to be well on our way to making this referendum happen so that our provincial government has the leverage they need to shut down the federal government's plan for us because it is not good. Yeah. And maybe we'll do, well, maybe we should compile a list of all the things that are coming and do a whole webinar on that because it would take a whole webinar. Yeah, so, yeah, four years, probably not. We have about 18 to 24 months, in my opinion. Uh, and in those 18 to 24 months, here, here's some news for you, Kerry. Yes. And this is why I say the volunteers are going to be so busy. I have some very lofty goals that I want to uh, get going with Alberta Prosperity Project. One of them is to bring some uh, 
very, very well-known people to this province to share their knowledge and encourage Albertans to continue standing up for themselves. Uh, we had Jordan Peterson at a Take Back Alberta event not too long ago, yeah. sold that out, and that was wonderful. Jordan Peterson even acknowledged that Alberta should actually have that referendum, and we should yeah. get the heck out of Dodge because of what the federal government's doing. Yeah. And every time somebody like Jordan Peterson or others, which I'm going to tell you uh, what my next goal is, Every time one of those people mentions this, they legitimize um, our message. Yes, and it is—it's already a very legitimate message, but it means it's a big deal when people like that, geniuses like Jordan Peterson, um, are chiming in on it. So that's something I want to do. And volunteers, you're going to have your work cut out for you because we want big events in this province. We want this message out to every single Albertan so that they know that there is a path to prosperity. And they know how to get it. And it's going to take a ton of work. So uh, I hope you're up for it. But it's going to be a blast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. And uh, la almost last minute, I guess it was. Yeah. And I even signed on last minute. <laughs> That's right. But With that no was, webcam. It's uh, having, uh, having these sorts of conversations again. These are conversations that... Uh, that we try and do every Wednesday and next week we're going to be bringing on uh, a few people and they're talking about uh, what's happened with the, the really the inquiry, I guess, that has, uh, has not been fully disclosed from the, oh, right. I meant to speak to that. Oh, okay. So um, I did get a response back. I asked why that was because I was fairly disappointed. Yeah. And the answer was somewhat political in nature, but it did make sense. And it was basically um, the way the inquiry is being done. It, it has to be mostly finished before it's released. Otherwise people aren't going to understand it and it's going to look, it's going to look silly. Okay. So uh, um, I'll discuss this with you after Carrie, but uh, I can't remember exactly what the premier said, but she alleviated my concerns and not having not having the interim report released okay. simply because at that point, it's not going to be ready for public consumption. Okay. If that makes any sense. It's like writing half a story and releasing it and people read that half of the story. It gives them the wrong idea. And then the next half of the story is lost because they've already written the ending themselves. Okay. Okay. Well, I can see that. But I know, I know we're we're definitely going to have a bit of a conversation about uh, how the mandates were were implemented next week, and uh, and see you know what we can uh, kind of come up with in terms of some sort of uh, a rationale and uh, and who maybe who was in charge, et cetera, et cetera. So I know that's uh, well, that's that'll be interesting. So it certainly wasn't our our doctors that were in charge. It wasn't the College of Physicians in charge. It wasn't the premier who was in charge. It was a external organization, not accountable to the province of Alberta, yeah. who made billions and billions of dollars yeah. by having us follow their rules. That's who was in charge. Very true. There you go. So having said that, I wish everybody a wonderful evening. If uh, you're still in Alberta, you can still get out and enjoy another hour or so of sunlight before it starts to get really dark in the next month. I have time to mow the lawn. All right. Once again, thank you so much for uh, sticking around and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, thanks for all your support.
And thanks for Good night, everybody. Okay. Good night.